Jesus is speaking about living water. Living water. And uh, he's talking to a group of both religious and irreligious people. And you know, Jesus, there are several stories in the Bible where he promises this living water to the religious crowd as well as to the irreligious crowd. You remember the woman at the well and uh, her on her sixth marriage or fifth, uh, sixth husband, but he wasn't really her husband. She's just living with him. And uh, apparently even back then that was a challenge. And so Jesus offers her living water. In the story that we're about to read, he's offering living water to the church at that time, which really wasn't the church. It was the Jewish nation, the synagogue. And uh, in the height of a great festival, we're going to look at Jesus offers the religious crowd a different way to find and to fill the thirst that is in their life and in their heart. It's amazing. You know, how many of you know that there's all kinds of salesmen today hawking water? And what I mean by hawking things that can fill you up. And Jesus stands in the midst of all of these different people that are promising water and life if you'll just trust them and go toward them. And he says, I'm coming from a different perspective, not to fill what is in your life and what is missing in your life from this world's perspective, but from the kingdom of God's perspective. And so let's see what's different about what Jesus is offering and really what it speaks to us today. Because I believe in that we're living in the day and age when you know, having a little sip of God in your life is not going to be enough. Having a broken cistern trying to hold the well of the life of God is not going to be enough. We need living water. We need a well to spring up and to fill us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the living water that you sent, not only through your son Jesus, but through the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, you help us to hear, to see, to understand today. God, we need your help. We need your help, Lord. We need your help, Lord. God, open the eyes of my heart, all of our hearts. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond. And I do pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to strike the hearts of the church today, that they might know you better. And they might know the hope that you're calling them to, but also the responsibility that you're calling them to. And I say thank you for those things, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, here's Jesus' offer to a thirsty world in John chapter 7. I'll be camping in that text for a while if you have your Bibles. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would later receive. The river of living water, the abundant life that God is promising. And he stands up in this festival and he speaks this this challenge to the religious people that are gathered there. And he's saying, I want to so fill your life. I want to so fill your life that not only will it satisfy you, but actually river of water will flow from you. That out from you, life will go and go to others around you so that the dry and thirsty land that we live in today actually experiences the life that God intends for mankind. What a promise. Wow, 
not only satisfying you and the thirst in your life, but the thirst in the people that are around you will begin to gather because of the stream of living water that flows out from you. Well, what's happening in this story? I've preached on this story before, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. In the Jewish culture, there are seven major feasts, but three of them have to do with agriculture. Three of them have to do with the event of, you know, very much it was an agricultural community back then. And so the first of the major festivals is the Feast of Passover, and that's in the spring. And that's really, that feast is celebrating several things, but one of them is celebrating the beginning of the grain harvest. It's celebrating the planting, the, gr- the grain is growing up, it's, it's becoming, it's starting to just get that, 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 you know, that green color, it hasn't, gold, hasn't ripened yet, but they begin to celebrate that, that's part of the Feast of Passover. Of course, we know the Passover lamb is also the major part of that, of that feast. The Feast of Pentecost happens seven weeks later, and that's in the summer, and it's the beginning really of the grain harvest, and the, you know, the celebration that's happening. Happening. It's a party. They're, they're, they're taking in the grain. Later, a little bit later, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the fall harvest, which is what we're talking about today. And this fall harvest is quite incredible. Let me read a little bit about it. This is just a snapshot from Leviticus. It says it's the last seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Don't do any work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire. On the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Uh, it's in the closing assembly, do no regular work. After you've gathered the crops of the Lord, celebrate the festival of the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest. The eighth day is also a day of rest. In that whole time, you are to live in temporary shelters. You can read all about that as you read about in Leviticus 23. It's very interesting. Because I want to just go over what's happening on the surface of the story. What's happening for your understanding. You know, the Bible is so full of incredible things that nuggets and beautiful pictures that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But let's go back and see what it looked like for them and their understanding of it. The first thing is you need to understand this festival starts with a day of rest and it ends with a day of rest. Now, guys, we don't know how to party really that well. This is a seven-day party. (laughs) Seven days. You're to start with a Sabbath rest, and you're to end with a Sabbath rest. And basically what it's saying is, you know, God rested from his work. You're to rest from your work. So it starts and it says, I want you to remember and I want you to celebrate. Remember and celebrate the God who rested from his work. If God has to rest from his work, you need to learn how to rest from your work. And so you're going to take this whole time, you're going to, you're going to be there, and you're going to rest. And he says, I want you, to, re, you know, to remember and to celebrate what you've come out of. What you've come out of. You've been rescued from Egypt. You've been rescued from a land of slavery. And you're to remember this always. You're to remember this. And you're to party because of what God has done. And then you're also to remember that this is not your, your homeland. This is not where you're going to stay forever and ever. You've been, you've been transitioning from the, the wilderness into the promised land, the permanent place. You need to celebrate and remember. And then the celebration moves on. It starts with this day of rest. It ends with this day of rest. But what's happening in the middle? The middle, the first thing is there's a celebration of shelters. Celebration of shelters. So it doesn't matter. Rich, poor, Young, old, it didn't matter. You had to go live in these temporary shelters for the entire seven-day party. 
And, and you're there, and you're, you're partying with all these other people of the Jewish nation, and together they're living under these branches and trees, and they've built these temporary shelters. Why? It's to remind them of the journey that they went through. When they left Egypt, on their journey to the promised land, they had to live under temporary shelters. And so it's a memory. It's a reminder of that celebration. So whoever you were, you're on your way to the promised land. Remember that by living in these shelters, living in these booths, while you're in the wilderness. And then he goes on to the next part of the festival is the celebration of light. you got to understand, this is the, the fall equinox. So we're now at the point of history, and for the Jews at that point, they're saying, you know, now day is giving way to night. Night is becoming longer. It's becoming darker. So they turn on the lights. Are you with me? They turn on the lights, and they go into the temple, and they set up, the, they have these two massive candelabras, that they, 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 they set them up, and they're so huge that the wicks of these, remember the candelabras, the, the menorah, they have seven different wicks, right, on each one. There's two of them in the temple, and they're, and they're so large, they're like torches. Are you with me? This is how much it's blazing in that temple. Now, understand something. That temple is pounded gold. The entire inside of that temple is gold. Can you imagine if you lit 14 torches in this box enclosed in a room how brilliant that would be. So you got to understand, this is a festival light. All the, all the Israelites are gathered outside, and the, the temple is just blazing with glory. Are you with me? The light is shining. So there's this celebration of light. And then lastly, the major part of this festival is called the celebration of water. Remember, we're an agricultural community. And so, you know, the springs of water are, are becoming weak, and uh, the, the cisterns are, are draining out. There's no water left. It's starting to become dry and parched. Everything is dependent on water for this community to carry on. And so each day, they witness the water ceremony. What would happen is they'd go down from the temple, they'd go down the hill, they'd go to the Pool of Siloam, and they'd fill up a golden pitcher with water from the Pool of Siloam, and then they would march back up, and the whole procession of people, you have to understand, the whole procession, all the Israelites gathered, the priests, they're chanting and they're singing the psalms. They sing psalm, I think it's 113 to 118. They're singing these psalms as the whole procession goes up. The priest is carrying a water jug. Another priest is carrying a jug of wine, which we'll get to in a minute. These two, they go up all the way back up to the temple, and they go up and they pour this as an offering onto the, 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 the very altar. And then when they pour it, they say these words, with joy we will draw water from the wells of salvation. And the whole time, the whole time, the, the whole nation is celebrating. There's dancing, there's flutes, there's, it's a party, guys. I'm telling you, it's a celebration. Are you with me? So they go down, they do this every day for seven days. And on the seventh day, the most important day of the festival, the last day, they go down and they get the water. They come up with the water and the wine in these pitchers. And then they go around the, the, the offering. They go around the place, the altar, where they're pouring this out seven times, the number of perfection. Seven times, and they're speaking. I want you to understand, they're actually speaking Psalm 118. Because they're, they're at the point of the procession when they're, they're coming up the hill. They've gone through the Psalms. Psalm 118 would be the thing that enters into the temple. Let, listen to these words. Now imagine with me, Jesus is walking with them. <laughs> He is walking with this procession while they're celebrating. Thousands of Jewish people celebrating. Listen to just a portion of Psalm 18. They're walking through the gates of the temple. Listen to this. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. 
We will give thanks to you, for you have heard and answered us, O God, and you have become our salvation, our rescuer, our Savior. They're all singing this. There's Jesus walking with them. The stone which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Wow, there he is, the stones walking with them. He's walking with them into the temple. And from this, the Lord, he is doing marvelous things, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we beseech you, save us now. We beseech you, send your prosperity. God, give us success. They're crying out to God, are you with me? And they march around, and, and, and you know, one of the old Jewish rabbis said, if anyone has never seen the water festival or the water ceremony, they have never seen rejoicing in this life. Are you following me? This is a party. <laughs> this is a party, party extraordinaire. You are partying, you're dancing, you're celebrating, flutes are playing, and they're chanting these songs that they all know, these psalms of rejoicing, as they climb up the hill and they pour this offering out. It's incredible. You see, you got to understand, they were dependent on God. They needed God to show up or they would not have they would not have what they needed for next year. If God didn't bring the latter rain, they would have no crops next year and they would be devastated. Are you hearing me? This is, this is, this is serious. They're very much aware of their dependence on God. You see, back in the desert days, and in Numbers, I think it's 28, Numbers 20, sorry. Numbers 20, you remember when they're, they're dry, they're, they're wandering through the wilderness and they're, they're parched and uh, they have no water, and they're freaking out, and Moses speaks to a rock. And the rock bursts forth and begins to gush water, so much so that millions of Jewish people have enough water. That's fairly a lot of water. Are you with me? So this is what happened. They, they know it connects to this. Are you following me? They, every Jewish person knows the connection of what's happening in this, in this divine, amazing orchestration and celebration of what God did back in Numbers. But it also connects back to Ezekiel 47. And Ezekiel 47 is where the river of life flows from out of the temple and basically covers the earth. I'm going to be preaching about that next week. And so you're following me, this, 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 this incredible celebration is so important, it's so amazing. You know, they're singing and they're saying, and they're pouring out and they pour out and everybody's watching. Are you with me? The, the crowd gets quiet. Everybody's watching as the priests pour out the, 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 the golden pitcher of water and the golden pitcher of wine onto the altar. And they say these words, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And before anybody can say anything else, are you with me? Before anybody says anything else, the Bible says Jesus stands up in the midst of this festival, in the midst of this moment, and he says the exact words I read, a little bit more passion, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Woo! Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from them. Talk about wrecking a party. Are you following me how intense this moment would have been? Here's, here's God, the stone they're about to reject, marching as they're singing about him, and they're taking these pitchers of water, symbolically pouring them on the altar water and, and wine 
pouring it out, and Jesus claims. I want you to understand what he claims here. Do you get that he claims he is the water that they need to be satisfied? He is saying, I am the temple from which it flows and the rock from which it pours forth. Yeah, 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 it's pretty exciting. Come on. Now, I understand there's different reactions in that moment. (laughs) Some people actually, the Bible says, some people believed. They believed. It's true, he is. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is our Savior. And then some just casually question, have the the leaders concluded that he's the Christ? I'm not sure. Hmm. And then there was a third group that were ticked off that he interrupted their religious ceremony and said he must die. Dang, Jesus. It's quite a response that you got from these people. Well, what does it mean for us today? You're already there, I'm sure. Here's the first thing. The meaning for us today is that this starts and ends with rest. The kingdom of God has been opened to you. Rest and receive. It's not about your works. It's not about you. It's about what God has done. The beginning and the end and everything in between. Christ has finished the work. Hallelujah. What a picture. What an incredible thing. You know, Galatians 3 talks to, a, Paul is talking to the Galatian Jews and he says, guys, what are you doing? Like you, you began this with Christ. What makes you think you can perfect this on your own strength? What has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? You can't start with Christ, then add your own works and think that that's what makes you right with God. You are starting with Christ. You are finishing with Christ. You are everything in between with Christ. It's all about resting in Christ. It's all about him. The Bible says he is the alpha and the omega. He is the A to Z. (laughs) He is the express vocabulary of God. He's the whole alphabet. (laughs) He's everything you need. Jesus is enough. Stop trying to add to what Christ has done. Listen to what Luke 12 says to you about the kingdom of God that is now open to your life and to my life. He says, do not yet set your heart in Luke 12 on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it for pagan pagans, the unbelievers run after such things. Your father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things will be given you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid. Your father is pleased to have you earn the kingdom. Oh, the verse is on the screen. I can't say that. The Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. What? Wow, God. Giving me right standing with God. Giving me a relationship with God. Bringing me into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. 
the forgiveness of my sins, the power to live righteously, a kingdom of peace that God comes to prosper me, to set an abundance in my life, replete with purpose and courage and wisdom and strength, a kingdom of grace that calls me right where I'm at, but says, I'm going to walk with you so that you can become what you were always intended to be. The greatest reflection of Greg Fraser only happens when I'm walking with God. The person that I'm intended to be only comes alive as I walk with the king of life. And he's offering this. He's saying, it's yours. It's yours. It's a kingdom of freedom. Freedom not to do whatever you want, Christian, but freedom to get a hold of yourself, control yourself, and to serve others. It's an amazing kingdom. It's an amazing promise. It's a kingdom of relationship. Wow, authentic genuine, vulnerable, encouraging, empowering, all-encompassing relationship. Not only with God, but with his people. This is the heart of God. This is what God is saying. It's a kingdom of identity and adoption. You're not defined by the things of this world. You're not defined by your lack and your shortage. You're defined by the king of the kingdom. This is who you are, church. This is your inheritance, the greatest kingdom in all the earth. Hallelujah. You know, guys, listen, we're missing it sometimes. This is the greatest kingdom. There is no kingdom like this kingdom. Why? Every other kingdom will be folded up and will be put away in the box where you can play with it no longer. It's only the kingdom of God that lasts forever. Wow. Wow, Jesus. Woo. <laughs> Understand. I'm going to get blessed. I don't care. Come along for the ride with me understand what he means when he says enter into the rest of God. It begins with rest. It ends with rest. That means I do nothing. No! It doesn't mean that. It means make every effort to enter into rest. Sounds confusing, Jesus. He's saying, church, position yourself every day to receive grace. You have to make the effort to show up to church. You have to make the effort to open your Bible. You have to make the effort to pray. You have to do these things. That is your, that is your duty. That is your responsibility. God has made it, laid it out the buffet. He says, show up with a plate and a fork and partake. Hallelujah. You know, prayer meeting on Tuesday night, yeah, I know it's getting shrinking, 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 shrinking. Whatever. Show up. <laughs> well, I don't want to pray. Come and learn. Come and learn. Sit, stand, kneel, lay down in the presence of God. Let me tell you, you need God, church. On Wednesday, I said to my wife, I just come off 10 days of preaching, intensely preaching at camp. And I'm telling you, and then I jumped into a friend of ours, RV, that loaned us their RV, God bless them. I won't say their name because you might go ask Anthony and Tess if you can borrow their RV. And now, oh, I meant Jim and... Anyway. Thank you, Anthony and Tess. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My wife thanks you perfectly. Why? It was our 25th anniversary, and I said, welcome to Wilderness Camp for our 25th anniversary, honey. Spare no expense. Look what the Lord has done. Sing it with me, Bet. <laughs> anyway, 
She got it after about day six. She, figured, she realized she was trapped for 10 days. She might as well start worshiping. No, she's good. She was fine. Trust me, we're just having fun. He's saying, make every effort, church. Make every effort to enter into the rest of God. Anyway, I'm coming off this camp, and on Wednesday, Wednesday, I was my sermon day back here. So I got home late Monday, and then Tuesday, I'm back into work. And uh, I was so tired. I can't even tell you how tired I was. I mean, re- drained. And I'm like, I'm, I'm wrestling to try and find this sermon. And everything's dead. Wednesday night, I said to my wife, in bed, I said, honey, pray for me. I have nothing for Sunday. Nothing. I don't even want to go on Sunday. (laughs) Give me one good reason I have to go, Betty, because you're the pastor. Okay. So she prayed for me. I just got up the next morning, Thursday morning, and I just sat in the presence of God. That's all I did. I got up probably six in the morning, just sitting in my, in my, you know what I just did? I just sat there, guys. I just said, God, you got to fill me up. Do you know, that's what I'm talking about with rest. It's just show up. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, and I'm just reading a few scriptures, and suddenly the, the energy, the, the living water, the, the, the power of God begins to come on my life. I go to work on Thursday, and I'm like, the sermon's just flowing. Are you with me? It's like, whoa, this, wow, God, wow. I can hardly wait for Sunday. I'm telling you, 12 hours earlier, I was like begging God to take me home. (laughs) Do you understand what is available to us, you guys? The living water of God, the very life of God can come in and fill you up. (laughs) Hallelujah. Make every effort to enter the rest. Let's go on. What is the celebration of shelter saying to you and I? Well, this is a good one. This is not our home, church. You need to know this is not your final destination in the kingdom. This world is not your home. You're you're passing through. You're in the wilderness right now. You're living in a tent. You're living in a little shelter of sticks. It's nothing. It's nothing. Get your eyes off of this world. Get your eyes off of this world, church. We think this is it. If this is it, we're the most pathetic people of all. Why serve God if this is it? Serve the devil. Have some fun. By the way, that fun will lead to destruction, just so you know. It's only fun for a while. You see, this is not your home. The the seven-day feast, you guys, you understand this is a biblical projection it's actually God telling us something that's coming. When you and I, and the Jesus returns, which is very soon, by the way, he comes back, he, he raptures the church to be with him. We're in heaven, and you know what he says? Welcome home. No, no, he throws a seven-year party. Seven years. <laughs> it starts with rest. It ends with an eternal rest. It's forever. <laughs> God knows how to party. We are not good partiers. We need to get better. We need to be better partiers, church. (laughs) Amen? Guys, look what the Lord has done for us. He moved a building across land. (laughs) It's crazy. 
He cut it in four pieces. Well, we did. We helped him out, you see. We moved it. We put it back together. And now we're looking at it going, God, it's, not, it's still broken. Oh, what can we do? Rejoice. Celebrate. You think he's going to leave it broken? He's going to finish the work. Your job is to plant seed and to rest. Plant seed and rest. Plant seed and rest. The seven-year supper of the Lamb. Wow. Now guys, listen to me. Building a church. Coming to church. Serving, giving, sacrificing. Do you understand that all of that's being recorded? Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think is being recorded in eternity, for eternity. Now, the good news for that is, for some of you, and me included, um, if you repent, God erases some of that stuff. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because when I first go to heaven, when you first go to heaven, when you go to heaven, I go to heaven, you know the Bible says the, the church is first of all going to be judged. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And every one of our works that we did while on, on the earth will be judged. And those things that we did that were in the flesh, that were just turning to ourselves, toward our family, but not toward God, not toward the kingdom. You know, not that it's wrong to, to bless yourself and bless your family. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when your heart turns totally away from God toward those things, God says those things are going to be burned up. They're gone. But everything done for Christ will be remembered in eternity for eternity. You are not just building a church here. Are you following me? You are building something in eternity. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Why do I tithe? Because it's the most basic principle of discipleship. <laughs> Give to the kingdom of God. I'm dumb to not. I've invested in lots of things, you guys. Many things don't work out that well. But whenever I have been faithful and always been faithful to tithe, you know, God has blessed me every time. Always, always, always. Not only here and now, but one day. I'm just telling you. Don't get mad at me when you go to heaven and there's no rewards. Because I warned you here. I said, guys, don't build for your retirement here. Build for the one coming. It's good. It's good. So there we were, right? I said at Wilderness Camp, God works. We go to wilderness camp. <laughs> and God, we walk in and they're building a new temple, new tabernacle. And I know right away God's going to make me plant seed there. Now, I know that sounds, I just shook my head like I was disgusted. Because my flesh is disgusted by that. Are you following me? But the kingdom is not disgusted. I'm, I'm like, what an exciting thing. I, my wife and I planted a seed into that church building. Why? For the building that we're building. You're crazy not to plant seed when God gives you an opportunity. It's like, God, watch what I can do. If you'll take this seed, I will multiply it. Wow, God, thank you for the opportunity to give to see your kingdom come. The celebration of lights, church. We are the lights of this world. We are the lights of the kingdom in a dark world. You know, things are not getting better here. Do you know that fall darkness is starting to get darker? Light is giving way. Is anybody else seeing this in our world today? I was watching a protest on a business 
in California that was still serving straws. My Catholic roots, roots coming out there. <laughs> and people were actually camped out in front of this business shutting it down for having straws. And I said, Jesus, great if you don't want to use a straw. Like, well, what are you doing, people? What are you doing? 0.002%. Of the ocean's plastic waste is straws. I'm just saying we've lost perspective. Now, I'm not trying to say pastor said we should have straws. <laughs> I'm not going to that church anymore. They use straws. <laughs> there may be other churches down the road that don't use straws. Go in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus again exploits the festival of the lights. Are you with me? John 8 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. See, guys, again, listen to me, church. Lights reflect the one light. If you are not close to the one light, you cannot reflect that light. Your whole job is to get close to the light. That's it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead with you now as your pastor. This is not the hour of time to be slack in your relationship with God. It's just not. The Bible says, and I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me about six months ago and said a great deception is coming upon the world. So deceiving that even the elect have to be careful not to be deceived. Guys, there are things happening today that are so crazy, that incomprehensible kind of crazy, that your only hope is to be close to God. So I, I want to challenge you. Keep God in the close. Keep God. It's not hard, you guys. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Just show up. Be with God. Make Him the center. You'll shine your light. Lastly, the celebration of water. He's saying, don't try to do it on your own. Let God's Spirit fill you and His Word fill you. Jeremiah 2, I didn't put the Scripture up there, but you know the Scripture, maybe you've never heard it. It says, be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, listen, guys, you can, you can go to a well and you can get water. You can dig out a well and get water to fill up. Or you can plant yourself by a stream of living water and always have water. Amen? So, you know, I, I think that's, you know, our picture sometimes of the church life of us Christians at times. We got a little cup of Jesus and we think that's enough. It's not, guys. When there's a whole river of life waiting for you, flood there, drink, drink some more. And when you drink some more, keep drinking. Because it's not only, it's not only for you, it's not only about you. 
It's about what wants to flow through you and out to this world that is going to be desperately broken in the next 10 years. We don't even have a clue of the desperation and brokenness that are about to enter into the world because of decisions of humanism. Wow. Let's turn away from God even more. The celebration of water. Jesus' great word, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Drink, you guys, drink. Drink. Whoever believes in me. As the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow through them. Hallelujah. Guys, I want you to understand that, that, that ceremony as they're pouring on the altar the water and the wine. Do you realize that Jesus climbed a hill called Calvary? And when the, the soldiers pierced his side in John 20, what flowed out of him? The Bible says water and blood. Do you realize that was his altar? The blood and the water flowing out from Christ as a sacrifice to make a way for you to have the kingdom of God open to you and the rivers of living water flowing in and through you. Church, it's our time. It's our time to climb the hill, not to earn salvation, but to position ourselves to receive God's grace. That's it. I, I love this quote. One of the guys said this quote on, when we were away at camp, and I stole it. It says, it's not enough to have God in your life. It's time to let God have your life. It's time, church. We need to repent of being satisfied with a sip of God. We need to be, repent of being satisfied with this world. We live and we need to pray and live like we're born for the next world. Amen? It's just time, guys. I don't want to go to eternity and to see you missing that part. I don't want to miss that part. I don't want my family to miss that part. That's why we're here. It's all about that right now, guys. As the world gets darker and darker, move close to the light. Amen? Let the river of living water flow in and through you.